0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Hip Hop is Higher Education. Please like and subscribe on all your social media and podcast formats. We are your hosts. I'm Stephanie Reed of Aspire to Hire.
1: And I am Summer Willow, creator of the Ladies Love Hip Hop platform. And uh, we're happy to be here today. Steph, what's goodie?
0: So, We are in for some real conversation today, so I want everybody, all our listeners, to strap in, buckle your seatbelts, class is in session.
1: Ding, 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 ding.
0: That was my school bell. (laughs) So Summer (laughs) and I have been talking, um, as we do, about hip-hop, and lately our conversations have centered on the evolution of hip-hop, and more specifically, the ways that hip-hop has strayed from its origins we often wonder, musically and culturally, is hip-hop still the voice of the people? And as self-ascribed true hip-hop, true school hip-hop fans, we wanted to talk this thing through. What we're really doing felt like an anthropological dig in the hip-hop crease, comparing today's hip-hop with um, modern hip-hop for the socio, cultural, and political elements that are part of the hip-hop culture. We wanna know, does hip hop still have that same connection to its historical development? Hip hop, of course, is still a force, but now it's such a part of the American pop culture that there are shows like Hip Hop Uncovered, documenting hip hop's historical connection to the streets. That show also left us questioning whether hip hop still has some of those codes of the street that it did before. So, what are the social, political, social, cultural, political underground street drivers of hip hop today? Summer and I are joined in this conversation today by a real live social anthropologist, hip hop cultural educator, and scholar, Mr. Will Strickland. Give Will Strickland a hand, folks! Yes, welcome yes.
1: <laughs> welcome, welcome. So, for all of our listeners out there, um, we want to welcome our guest. Our esteemed guest, Will Strickland, created and taught the world's first university accredited course on hip hop culture at the University of Massachusetts Amherst in 98. And this class was called Edutainment, the impact of hip hop on American culture. I mean, how deep. Will has been a creative content creation developer Um, leader, co-host, and executive producer of several media contents for major North American networks like VH1, TV Canada, The Score, the list goes on. He's currently the director of Full Court 21 Canada, the world's most unique summer basketball tournament. His resume is longer than my arm. We would probably need a whole entire new segment just to read it, but just know that this man's Passion for music is highlighted by the work he's done in aiding to guide the careers of some of your favorites and mine. Like Wu Tang. Okay, I know, I know you all love Wu Tang. We're talking Jay-Z Public Enemy, Tupac, Drake, KRS1. The list goes on and on. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to dig into the mind. Mr. Will Strickland thank you for being here. I want
2: to thank you ladies for uh, allowing your brains to go on zero and allowing me to be on the show with you (laughs) (laughs) because I'm just saying like wow you know (laughs) I appreciate you having me for sure and uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation the discourse without question.
1: Absolutely. This is going to be a rich conversation, but we want to start at the beginning, right? So we always take the journalism approach when we're conducting our podcast and we don't take for granted that this is going to be the first time that some folks have ever heard of the illustrious Will Strickland. So please explain for our listeners, our audience members, your background as an OG in hip hop and as a hip hop scholar.
2: Well, I think that, uh, I am the product of a misspent youth. I have been fortunate enough to have worked very, very hard to have a quality education, to learn how to create and exchange cultural currency through hip hop culture, um, as a person who want to rap, dance, and like I've done everything in the culture and then realize that maybe my, my purpose in the culture was to help drive it forward in a different way that wasn't singing, dancing, rapping, whatever the case might be, whether it be being a music executive at some of the top companies in the world, starting my own company um, in my university dorm room, um, whether it be, you know, um, teaching the the world's first university accredited courts, being the first American to run a Canadian organization uh, for urban music. Nobody says urban
3: right. anymore,
2: <laughs> but it's called the Urban Music Association of Canada. I was the first American president there and, and did some things, um, which like jump started my relationship with this kid named Aubrey Drake Graham. You might've heard of him once or twice. And, Absolutely. um, yeah, as I, I, you know, I don't want to sit on here and, and, and do all that, but, you know, I, like I said, I've been blessed and fortunate to have utilized um, the tools in my toolbox, my daddy tools, as I call them, um, not to dismiss my mother in the least, it's just, it sounds better when I talk about, if you guys have ever seen the TV show Boardwalk Empire, Chalky White, Michael K. Williams, uh, who plays Omar from the Wire, he has a, a scene about his daddy tools, and that's what I talk about my father, like the things he gave me to build, right? And a good craftsman never blames his tools. So no matter what happens in this life, I know that I can build in every arena and that I have the discipline and the desire uh, to be able to learn and turn suggestion and activation no matter what I'm doing, whether it be playing professional basketball or or working in the music industry or teaching, I feel like those are disciplines I have a vested interest. In, and so I do my best to listen um, because listening makes the best learning. And listening is a skill. Mo- a lot of people don't believe it. They don't know the difference between listening and hearing. I do. I practice that. And I also have this affliction that not a lot of people can catch. Um, to be honest, I'm going to pull disclosure. Um, I suffer from a disease called actual fact syndrome. And I love it. Not many, like I said, <laughs> not many can deal with that part of it. But that's what I work with each and every day, from the sun up to sundown. So that's how we'll move forward.
1: Okay, and just to um, actual fact, <laughs> syndrome, love I it, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> just to you know, balance out um, that great explanation and kind of culmination of who you are. There's also, um, and those are, you know, in my perspective, a lot of your learnings and how your your philosophy moves. But just to speak about you as an OG in hip hop, I mean, Young is in charge, DJ, you know, managing groups. I mean, tell the folks a little bit about, I mean, you've touched so many um, different levels and aspects of the hip hop culture and been a very integral part of people's careers. So let's just talk about, you know, maybe in a snapshot of how you came into this game and what really set you on fire with hip hop.
2: Oh, the difference between the culture and the industry is what you're asking me about, because the culture had nothing to do with a dollar. I could be standing in front of the mirror with my mother's hairbrush, and that could be my Madison Square Garden. Um, that could be my Wells Fargo Arena. That could be my, you know, uh, 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 O2 Arena, you know, wherever it is. And that's 30,000 people watching me in the bathroom rapid you know um i could go to karate practice and learning capoeira when i was playing ball in brazil and kids are in front of, of, of the dojo whatever they called it and they're doing capoeira moves that look like b-boy moves and break and they put that together with the percussive music of brazil right afro cuban afro 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 everything right or you know when i draw graffiti on the wall i'm not thinking about getting a deal you know these things have no, you know i i'm not thinking about the music that i'm making and having it shrink wrapped in a old gel case and putting it on a shelf somewhere or doing a video on top of you know with a half-naked woman on top of a four hundred un- uh, you know car you know that's <laughs> the industry
3: right but
2: the culture is something that lives in you in a way like to quote the great uh and illustrious Lawrence krypton parker that's something you do hip-hop is something you live. I lived that part of it. So the industry part, uh, because I lived it, it was easier for me to understand the difference between the industry and the culture and go into the, the industry saying, okay, how can I enhance the industry with the cultural currency that I've developed and earned through being in the culture before I got into the industry? And I think, I'm not people who get into it just to make money. I don't. That is your choice. And I'm a keen, I have a keen understanding of personal pronoun. what you choose to do might not be what I choose to do and vice versa um I don't I don't necessarily have to agree with it but you know being able to start my you know the first first thing one of the first things I did was a a concert for EPMD I was 16 years old I couldn't get into the club that I had them booked into right because I'm like if I can't if I can't sound like krs one Rakim and Chuck D when I'm rapping If I can't have the charisma and the wittiness of a grand poo by Maxwell, if I can't do all that, I don't want to do this, but how can I be involved And figuring out that I had this little radio show when I was, you know, 16, uh, I would leave at lunch. I think this is part of the decision between the culture and the industry. When I got an opportunity, to get, and I want this is a long story about the guy who had the show before me. It was the beginning of mixed shows. Mix shows were not a common thing in the 80s. And I'm older than a lot of people will probably be listening to this. But they weren't common things. They were just really starting. And I was just this little town in Texas at the time, because my father, blessed the dead, was in the military. Mm-hmm. And I went down south to finish up my high school, my last year and like a little bit of high school down in Texas. So, you know, I saw Jerry. I, I wasn't a Jerry Curl dude. But whatever the case might be, um, I'm down there, and the guy who was doing the show, I was chasing him around because he was like the funk master flex that little town. Gotcha. I knew I was a better DJ than he was, but this this is where you have to humble yourself. You can't create something from the outside in, you have to get mm. inside, and once I'm inside, then I know how it works and I can move accordingly. Right. So I went up to him one day at a party at a punch. he did a youth party, and said, "Hey man, can I work for you?" He goes, "Well, I can't pay you." I said, "I'll carry your crates or set up your casket, whatever you need done. You tell me what you need to do,
3: mm-hmm. right?"
2: So he thought he had he thought he had a, a gopher. Mm-hmm. No, no. He thought he had a dummy. I'm like, no, I'm cool. Right. You don't you don't realize what you just gave me by allowing me into the circle because who you know, I'm about to know. Now that I'm not was saying Texas. that I'm not saying that like I'm snaking him or something. I'm just saying I know now who the people are. Right. So if my opportunity presents itself, I've already created some sort of connective tissue between myself and those people. Right. You have to remember I'm 16 years old. Mm. And I'm thinking like this. Because I'm not thinking short term, I'm not thinking about let me make some money right now. I'm thinking about how can i create a career yeah. Ooh, a thing i love
3: right right on
2: that the guy gets busted trying to sell weed at kitty party out of town whatever oh the next thing you knew all these people who knew him and who were hiring him for get jobs were like we need someone to do j- oh who's that kid oh remember him yeah he didn't go and right like, and i became the youngest in charge midday i had the mix show right. i was in It happened at lunchtime. So I had to make a decision. Do I want to sacrifice my lunch and go do this show? Or do I understand that sacrifice is not a word I use? Mm. Anything you do to enhance your life
3: is not sacrifice. It's an attribute. Mm -hmm.
2: It's an attribute. So I was adding to my life. So I could always have lunch. I'd go there, do that show. Right. And then come back to my fifth period English class. Mm. and barely could walk through the door because I knew all my friends heard me at lunch. <laughs> you
0: Listen, yeah. S- you speak in our language. You are speaking but was a our spark.
2: language. It was a spark. So from EPMD to the first artist I ever brought down to school when I was in university was De La Soul. And I'm like, I can make money bringing artists here to do shows mm-hmm. all the time. Because when I did the EPMD show, you know, normally it'll just as, as a young promoter they, they try to gas you and steal stuff from you. It's like, Oh, let me give you a hat or something. You bring the artist. No, um, yeah. no. Nah, nah, I said, let me get the door. Mm, right. So they were charging like, because they know I had the mix show so I could bring people in. Uh, so right. let me get the door, which is like $10 is normally five. So $10 you have concert. Let me get the door. And I knew they were going to skim off the door mm. and 20% of the bar. Like, wow! What? No, no, no! We're not doing that. I'm like, yeah, okay, on, cool. We can take it to another club. This being sixteen. At sixteen. So, don't
0: take
2: it. I said, I said, we can take it to another club. Man, no, cool, okay. Because what people don't understand is that just like when you go to the movie theater, that's not the movie business; that's the concessions business. Absolutely. That's why cold popcorn from Sam's Club and some <laughs> sugary water costs as much as your ticket, if not more.
0: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. When you go to the club, the club is not the music business or the club business. It's the apple. Oh, get to the club because watered down drinks for so much.
0: You're telling too many secrets. You were really giving no, away. No,
2: I'm, I'm, <laughs> bit, you know what, though? I, I love giving these secrets <laughs> because if you can't execute the way I execute, it doesn't matter what you know my plans not. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Speak yes. on it. Yes. Will, hold, listen. So in that,
2: let me, you can have all that.
0: Let me ask you this because you just gave us a million gems, and we barely brushed the first question, right?
2: I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry. I'm, no. You're getting me started. Sorry.
0: you effective, this is dope. Talk to us, you mentioned connective tissue, you mentioned starting this at 16, but let's talk a little bit about all of that insight that you gained from 16 until now. I, I'm not a person that believes that the hip hop culture is not still a driver for the way you function and know how you do business. So what part of that, in that connective tissue that you just mentioned, right, between the people that you met, the access that you gained, what were the, the political, sociocultural, like, what were the drivers of the hip hop culture that really was a force for your hustle, right? And do you think that that was what brought hip hop into its time that it's in right now?
2: Uh, wow, well, that's a heavy question, because mm-hmm. I think that, again, having the education I had, understanding like the intellectual of curb that I had, AKA street knowledge that I had before I got into that um, and being able to apply that and then also understanding my obligation and, and, and also my limitations put on me as a young black man, as a black person in America, I had to say again, Okay, those. How do I utilize my daddy's tools to recognize those things, but not allow them to affect? Well, I get down, right? And I think that's really key. That's how the thing moved forward. Because if everybody said, "Okay, well, only black kids like this stuff," but if you think about it, the first big song in 1979 that came out was "Rapper's Delight." And Michael Wright said at the beginning of that song, "Now I am Wonder Mike, and I'd like to say hello to the black, the white, the red, the brown, the purple, purple and, your and love. So, Somebody's been telling you a lie. So I deal with perception and reality all the time, and because I had that foundation early on, everything we do in this thing, from a social cultural standpoint, whether it be political, like we understand the politics. I'm sorry, politics of the day. Um, that wasn't a faux pas. Um, of a day and how everything is designed to to keep you as a second class citizen
3: Mm. but
2: I cannot wallow in the notion of that I have to utilize that as fuel to drive me to do other things so I'm not worried about proving something to someone else I'm proving something my competition is me Mm. and my fears and my quirks my idiosyncrasies they can get at you. Then pixies on your shoulder all the time, telling you, "I don't know if you could do this." or, Dog, just do that shit. Just do mm-hmm. it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, kind
3: of, it's good. Say the bad. You're word. great. Okay. It's a great okay.
2: word. Okay. So, having to be able to deal with that and understanding the balance between what you learn in the streets and what you get at home, um, those things you can know the difference. I'm like, okay, how can I utilize this? Because we all rub up against a certain element in our communities. Mm-hmm. And people try to make it seem like like those communities are so bad, but it's just your community. That same element exists. Only they wear three piece suits, and they Absolutely. went to Yale and Harvard, and they don't actually squeeze the trigger, but they have the people that they can hire to do that. So it's different, but it's the same.
1: And you know, and what? once you
2: come to that understanding, like it's it, you talk about the social cultural part of it. Like once you get that understanding, and you say, okay, well, how can I take this thing? Because I'm creating culture, right. and turn that into commerce mm-hmm. without compromising the culture. Right.
1: Well, you—that's
2: what I started to learn how to do.
1: You raise a, a, a point that um, I was discussing last night when we were talking about trauma, and how um, you know trauma has been a driver in our communities in terms of our stories and mm. how we tell our stories. And, you know, I was talking about, um, I was actually, I was talking to um, Raph Almighty of Third And I was talking to him about, um, you know, the the kind of the two sides of of trauma. And there is the exposure to reality, right? Because that thing that happened maybe at an age where you maybe, you shouldn't have been experiencing that. You shouldn't have been seeing that. it it did expose you to something that was really happening. And for that, you have this nugget of truth. So you are then connected to reality, right? And then the other side of trauma is pain. Mm. And the pain of trauma is the thing that, um, of course, it brings us together. I mean, we all can connect to to the pain of it. But I feel like, there there was in the front end at least there was a there was a mix of types of hip-hop that that um people were creating but i think that at the front end the story was about the pain of the trauma and the story was about um i'm sorry the story was about the reality of the trauma you know don't push me because i'm close to the edge like really painting the picture of you know what the drug epidemic was doing to our communities and really painting the picture of how you know violence against women you know creates this type of person or you know latifah standing up and say who are you calling a bitch?" like that mm. tra- the trauma of that let me tell you the reality of what i really am right mm. so that reality um, piece was amazing for us, and I think we consume that. Not, I think, apart from the industry, we consume that reality. But then the pain part, <laughs> the the pain is where I think the um, the sociocultural and the political forces that were against us, that pain kind of overrode the reality, and it created these these rappers that told these stories but never connected, or not never, let me not use that word. Seldom as time Mm. went on, connected to the reality of the thing and how we get out of the thing and fight the power and how we move past the thing. And it was just pain, pain, pain. You know? And so
2: I'm sorry, I don't disagree with you in the least. And I think that's a great point between the difference of the trauma uh, versus, you know, the pain of it. Because we all suffer from generational PTSD okay but the difference is case in point during the crack epidemic we built more prisons during the opioid opioid epidemic we found empathy and thought it was a mental health issue it's always been a mental health issue it's just who cares about the people suffering the most from that trauma and if Like when kids see shootings in our schools, they're supposed to just shake it off and go home because that's what you're to. When these white kids do it, and it happens in these predominantly white schools, or whatever the case, suburban schools, they get grief counseling and all this other stuff. They get exposure on television about how they were traumatized and they get reality, whatever the case might be. So you turn, you know, America's always turn um, pain into profit. We are living, breathing examples of that. We are descendants of that pain, of that profit on the pain. So I think understand the difference in those things. And that's part of the reason why we're educators is that sometimes the education won't come in the music. And when it does come in the music, they try to mute it. So when you, for every Chuck D, for every knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone. Yes. For every one of poor righteous teachers, for every brand new being, depending upon like how you feel about, you know, 5% uh, understanding and, and right. uh, supreme mathematics and things of that nature. The fact of the matter is that they were taking what they learned and trying to educate as well as entertain That's part of the reason why I named my class after Karis One's album 1990, Edutainment, because great me. I want I want to make music. I want this is my vocation. This is what I want to do. But at the same time, I'm going to educate you. I have a platform and an opportunity to tell you some things about what I see. So the first time I heard about AIDS was on a krs one song. Nuclear destruction AIDS doesn't scare me. What the I didn't have the internet back in the age.
1: That's right.
2: Go look <laughs> it up. Encyclopedia with oh, didn't need to have Word it. Word is bought. Michael Fisch. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: okay
3: Not the listen I used to
2: love spending time on the yeah. microphone don't word sleep is born. the word is don't born. Sleep. but I'm, I'm all I'm saying is that you have to be willing to receive it though mm-hmm. then it got to the point where people were like oh man I don't want to hear all that preaching I'm making money because money became our gods because we thought it was a way to get out of the community and again selling drugs same idea I mean you know I don't know shit about that math son but I could pitch these rocks
0: yeah. Right. What you what you're saying is what I think has been the basis of Summer and I brand our platforms together. It was it's it's the bringing people away from just the consuming of hip hop. Right. We all agree, I think, here on hip hop initially being trauma informed. What we want to figure out now is do we do we still see that in hip hop? Right. I think it's still trauma informed because there are still new there's new traumas every day. There's mm. new, there's new, um, there's new racism, <laughs> right? It, new forms of it. So when we talk about the socio-cultural factors, that's more of us just, I think, reminiscing on how we saw hip-hop come to be. But now we're trying to figure out what's, what are those drivers for these mainstream, current-day hip-hop folks? Um, you know, there's rappers, and then there's still industry folks who are pumping out a narrative that does not really belong to us? Are we are we still buying into the same narrative that, that hip hop is is still pain? Because I also see a lot of triumph in hip hop. Right? We we left trauma informed and became right revenue driven. <laughs> so there's so much happening I think in current day or modern forms of hip hop. I'm curious what your thoughts on what your thoughts are will on what what do you see today driving MCs, rappers, producers, and and you know, people like you and I, educators who use this to engage with with young folks.
2: I think it's different now because the, the portfolio has been diversified. I think that the avenues to access and access to industry is different now. There were barriers to getting into the industry in the 80s and 90s. Now you can go online and call yourself a SoundCloud rapper and say you're in the industry. So Mm. the barriers to entry are different. Yes. And there is a desire to, everyone wants to be Jay-Z, but they don't want to do, they don't really know the story of Jay-Z. They think I can sell some drugs, tell some stories, kind of sound like him or sound like Drake or sound Mm. like or sound whatever, and I'll be a star. But people don't realize, do you know how long it took Jay-Z to become (laughs) Jay-Z? Yeah, He put out his first single in 1986. He was with Jazzo in 88, going on tour with Daddy Big Daddy Kane 88, 89. His album doesn't come out for another eight years.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So Jay-Z, by the time 1996 rolls around, Jay-Z's 28 years old. Mm. 27, 28 years old. This is the young man's game, apparently. But Jay-Z wasn't even Jay-Z after a reasonable down Until a hard-knock flight, until he was around, until about 2003. Right. Did Jay-Z actually become Jay-Z? So you have to realize, Jay-Z is born in 1969. He's 34 years old bec- before he becomes Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z. <laughs> so the path he took, and not everybody's going to take that same path, because paths get cut off as the late, great George, uh, Christopher George Latour Wallace mm-hmm. and Tupac Amaru Shakur. Like blessed the dead to both of them, but they never saw yes. their potential fulfilled in a way that like guys were trying to get out and do other things. Tupac was acting more than he was rapping. Yeah. Like, they want to do like again. And when guys started to figure out they can diversify their portfolios, Jay Z buys a part of a basketball team. Nelly does that. You know, Usher like all these guys understand we have a certain place and we can utilize our power. Diddy with the um rock the boats. Mm-hmm. Get rock- True. So again, understanding your platform and saying, "Okay, here's my power. What do I value, mm-hmm. and how can I create consensus around what I value outside of the music? The music is the, the hook. It's the hook. It's the hook. Right. Yeah. But the rest of this stuff is the lyrics.
3: Ooh.
2: Listen, so you say
0: it, it. That's you preaching. I tell in my I, in the work that I've been doing with my students, I mm-hmm. call it the Rocky versus Kate because I'm also a mom, right? So I put it in that frame, like I'm gonna give you some broccoli because you need it. You need these nutrients. I'm gonna give you this knowledge. Every now and then, I'm gonna give you some cake because you, listen, we want everybody who want who don't want cake. We'll so go. it's a marketing cake.
2: I, I like that 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 metaphor, and and I actually use one that's a little bit different when I'm talking about them writing their papers in in accord to, or in, I guess the kind of as a parallel to what you were saying about food and making it something that was something we all do. Way is the is common thread. I say when you guys write your papers, or before before I got the papers, I'm like, okay, name a food you didn't like as a kid, Stephanie? What was the food that, that your parents fed you you didn't like as a kid? Man, beets. Okay, beets.
0: beets.
2: So so So, okay, both of you are on beets. Okay, cool. Beets. So they put them on your plate and you would eat just enough of them to make it seem like you ate something and then you yes, do, what would you do with the rest of them? See? I'm gonna have to say it. You already know what it is, the spread around. So I tell them, don't give me a paper that's supposed to be two or three pages long, but you have like one sentence and then a whole big piece of white space on the paper. And then like, don't do the spread around. Right. And they get it. So I don't have to explain to them because it's a common thread. And I think that's the key in being able to create an understanding of what we're trying to do, educationally and culturally, socioculturally, Social geographically, socioeconomically, in a way that you have to speak a language, not to dumb people down, but like everybody eats food. I mean, that's how I got my class in the first place is that right? Um, I was speaking on um, when Harvard used to have their hip hop conference. I spoke on a panel about hip hop and education. Mm-hmm. I guess it was me as the, the advocate for the culture and then. There's a gentleman from Yale or Brown or something. You know, he's a he's a black guy, and you know he had the, the tweed jacket with the suede patches on the elbow, pipe in his pocket, nose in the air. You know, he was one of those. Oh, and, those um, one of those yeah. academics. Right, right. <laughs> and his whole tact was to challenge everything I was saying, um, and then. Think that i was going to revert to some sort of street situation where i smack him in his blabber box and then you say see look at what they do i'm like yes. hey, you look just like me dog what are you saying but instead of beating him with these i've been with this so much so the guy left the stage in tears mad because he couldn't oh. crack me mm. and some people from the university of massachusetts came up to me and they said would you sir like to teach a course on hip-hop culture this thing you've been talking about right right just got all swollen <laughs> like, no i want to teach a course on hip-hop culture and they said right. okay when you come up with the curriculum give us a call and like whoa hold up whoa
3: mm,
2: i thought you fun. guys you me to teach it you already had it i was just going to teach it but here's the challenge and this is where you talked about the social the connected tissues, socio-economic part social cultural part is that now I have an opportunity to control the narrative, but if I haven't planned my work so I can work my plan, I fail. And I am personally allergic to failure as well as penicillin, sharks, and polonius stupidity. Hmm. I'm dead serious. You've never seen a shark attack in your life.
0: You see- you're also allergic
2: to alternative facts. Yeah, we don't, we don't go down like that. Right. But you've never seen a shark attack before. What happened to those people was trespassing. The shark did what it was supposed to do. You're Hello. in the water. You're that's in that's his spot. house. So now let's about develop him. our house. Let's develop our house.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I get all that together and I start figuring out how I'm going to teach this. How I'm going to take all this stuff I learned in the street, uh, all this stuff I learned in, 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 in you know in school, going to one of the the top universities in the United States. I went to Rice University, the Harvard of the South, go out. And I triple majored in managerial studies, political science and economics. I got my master's, my MBA in entertainment law. And I started my doctoral degree when I created and taught the world's first university accredited course on hip-hop culture at UMass. But how it came to be was because these people asked me and I didn't know what I was going to do. Right. This is where and this is no disrespect I mean, anytime you say this is no disrespect to anybody else it ends up being disrespectful it's a little disrespect so i'm
3: gonna
2: disrespect. Anyway. <laughs> fall on that i'm going fall on that <laughs> sword i'm exactly. good with that yeah we as black people have an innate ability through the trauma we suffered to turn nothing into something
0: absolutely
2: we, there's no way chitlins become a delicacy i don't no. eat But we turn nothing into something.
0: Every day. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. So in that, I'm like, I have nothing. I don't have Shakespeare. I don't have algebra. I don't have any precedent before me to do the thing I told these people I'm going to do.
0: What you had was that cultural currency, though. And they saw that. They saw that what you were doing on that panel, that that other dude wasn't doing, was actually dropping gems about cultural and sharing cultural currency. So Mm. that's my. I wasn't there. But no, that's no how but I, I mean, one hundred
2: percent, one hundred percent. But I had to figure out, like, how do you teach a course in hip hop culture? I know what it, I can talk to you about the music and the culture because I am a person. I am an advocate of knowing the difference. Like again, rap. I'm, the rap music industry, or the the culture, or the business of hip hop is rap, DJ, uh, uh, turntablism,
3: right. break B-boy dancing. And.
2: Right. You know no b boying is the the culture break dancing break when Alfonso Rivero can put how to break dance on Ktel records oh my god that, gosh. that was 80s,
1: so great
2: <laughs> that is industry that's industry but the dance and everything else yeah. the, the, the the essence of that thing that's the culture mm-hmm. so I've always said like there's a difference to me between rap when I hear it, when people say there's hip-hop music I not there's music of hip-hop culture called rap yeah Well, rap music. But there's yeah. no hip, and we allow the misnomer to happen because people who didn't know or know anything about our culture started to help to condition the idea that if someone got shot at a concert, hip hop did it.
1: Right. Huh?
2: Well, so that's okay. how the conflation happens, right? But no, when somebody gets killed at a rock concert, it's a lone shooter. Yes. It had nothing or, to do with rock
0: If something happened in in these political protests, it's Antifa, it's Black Lives Matter,
2: but you know. Look, when you storm the Capitol on 1-6, it's not white terrorism, it's Uh -uh. um, protest.
0: Yeah.
2: Disgruntled um, Americans, citizens, patriots.
1: Patriots, it's right. You know what, I like to call it a transferable ill, like transferable skills is a transferable ill. It's like oh, you, you know, use this to your advantage, right? It's like your advantage is to um, brighten up the subject. And when it comes mm. to black and brown folks, you use the deepest, it's all about the language. You use the darkest language. You use the the most incriminating um, vocabulary to explain the thing that you do, sir, right.
2: I mean. You want to, again, controlling and crafting the narrative to fit what you want it to fit and then continuing to perpetuate that thing, it becomes boilerplate. Yeah. So Michael Vick could've, he could've saved President Joe Biden. He could've saved the whales. He could've recultivated Africa, but remember he let those, pe- those people kill them Ooh. dogs in his house. They'll yeah. always tell that story no matter what he does, right? And that's part of the, the conversation, I guess that happens with us because that's how the story must go. Absolutely. So, I'm I'm figuring out how to teach this class, and I said, okay, I start reading all these books, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm working hard but I'm not working smart. I'm gonna have Jefferson, Washington, Lincoln. i don't to have a dead history. I got Herp, Bambada, Flash, Harris, One, Queen Latifah, Russell Simmons, right. people I living can contact, history. people I know who are living here. Bring who, them in. They're not book editors who have no vested interest in my culture. Right. So I'm going to get the people who actually made the history and say, I told the school, I'm going to do this and they go, Whoa, pump the brakes on, boy. This is still, a, you know, a university, an institution of higher learning. You have to utilize some text. Mm. Yeah. And so I said, I got three um, in particular. The first one was, at the time, the Bible on hip hop education um, and pedagogy um, by Trisha Rose called Black Noise. Um, then there was another book by William Eric Perkins called... Uh, drop in science, his son took and failed my class and I had to correct some of the stuff in his daddy's book. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, and then the last book, which I found the most interesting that I use, along with, um, like I had a field trip to 88hiphop.com where I did the first ever online concert in black music history. Yes. I like being first at everything except being Yeah, last. That's,
0: that's called experiential learning. That's right.
2: what you did. <laughs> so this back in 1998. You know, the internet was maybe three and a half, four years old. We take it for granted now, but yeah. it was a different thing back then. Dial up, AOL, oh, you have mail. <laughs> um, and this last book was called um, Black Culture Industry by Ellis Cashmore. In the book it begs two very specific questions about what we do. The first question is, is there such a thing as black culture to which you ladies would answer? A show. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but the most important question to ask is: Do black people own it? There you
1: go, and that's why I said no, and that's why I said no in the background on oh, so wow. me. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> there is a because black culture, it but it's not but, our culture. Right, and that's—I think—that's the disconnect you guys are talking about you're trying to find out like how do we redefine that thing because now it's industry and it's you know the 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 captains of industry drive the business of hip-hop and then by virtue of seeing financial gain in the culture it then becomes hip-hop to a lot of people which it's just the industry of the culture right it's not the culture in and of itself so you can tell the people who trust the culture you know kendrick lamar trust the culture you know, um, I'm gonna talk about somebody from North Carolina. Rhapsody, trust the culture. Oh, yes, Okay. shouts and love to um, Rhapsody. The, the, the artist formerly known as Timothy Elpedero Tedford. trust the culture. Um, that would be J Electronica.
1: Oh, yeah, I did okay. not know that one. Oh, d- okay. listen,
2: listen, um, I'm yeah. locally respected yeah. and, and, and nationally known um, for utilizing <laughs> people's whole governments
3: we love whether it. Talk
2: about sports or, or hip hop culture. Because Education. again, it's about knowing the people. I know mm. their names, but when Jay Electronica says the name on the birth certificate, that's not the real me. Mm. Mm. When you can come out and create your own attribute, when you can define yourself as, as, a, as opposed to allowing someone else to define you, whether we're talking about hip hop culture
0: right. or
2: what you do, Stephanie, with your symposium, right. or what you guys are doing with this podcast, right you control the narrative mm. the way you want to present yourself is if i want to call myself king born a lock uh, justice i can because that's my name right. right i gave myself those attributes right but again understanding how you can control your narrative and then turning that into industry without compromising your integrity to do so is part of why we do what we're doing it's part of the reason why i educate i'm like okay well you know, and to go back to the UMass story because I think it's really important. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking so much. Um, but it's something you guys said that, that impacted me right now to tell you this story because those are the books we read. We had to, I had to, I didn't know how to create a course outline of syllabus. Mm-hmm. i have gone to school for years. But I didn't know how to create one.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. So when I figured that out, I go in front of the school and I have to present what I'm going to teach at the University of Massachusetts. And you know how you go to the court and there's a jury of your peers? Well, none of my peers were in that room.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> there's five,
2: five, like 65 year old plus white Anglo-Saxon Protestant males who knew nothing about my culture who were gonna tell me about what I was gonna do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I present myself, and I tell them this story, of, you know, the same thing I've been telling you guys. I'm like, okay, I got the course outline and a week before my, my review, I'm sweating bullets because I don't know how I'm going to present. I don't know how to tell these guys what I need to tell them. I don't know how to make that connective tissue we talked about, Stephanie. Right, right. Because, because they don't know what I know. Right. So I have to figure out a way to deliver those nutrients you talked about, those beans exactly. you talked about. And so I figured that out. I'm taking a shower. I almost break my leg jumping out of the shower, taking a <laughs> bar soap. And right now, I teach you, this is the real story. I almost broke my leg jumping out of the shower Trying to write down this idea because I was thinking about the Karate Kid, and I hadn't seen the Karate Kid in years. Now, I'm not talking about the one, of course, back in the day, the one with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith wasn't out. So it's the original one, mm-hmm. right? So
0: The original Miyagi.
2: Right, right. So you remember you you remember the story, right? So Rob Macho or Daniel
0: mm-hmm.
2: is the new boy, and he's at the, the new boy at the school, and all the girls like the new boy because so he's a new boy, but all the boys don't like the new boy because the girls like the new boy. Follow me. They jump him. While he's getting jumped, the janitors, or I guess, director of custodial affairs, you know, <laughs> it, it, the era we live in, I can't, I want to get canceled calling him a janitor.
0: Right, right, right. right.
2: So he comes out, he saved the kid. Yeah, you know, and the kid's hold speed not to like, y'all want to learn how to do that. He says, all right, come to my house, I'll show you how to do it. But all he has him doing is painting the fence, sanding the floor, waxing his car. Remember, wax mm-hmm. on. Wax off. Where's mom? So finally, one day, the kid says, okay, Mr. Miyagi, when I'm done here today, I'm going to leave and I'm not coming back. He goes, why? He goes, I'm tired of being your slave. He goes, no, no, I thought I was supposed to learn karate. He goes, okay, if you're going to leave today, fine, but show me what you've learned. He goes, what I learned? He says, okay, so show me paint the fence. The kid is frustrated. He's a kid. He's not thinking. His mind is not in the right place. So he his arm. Mr. Miyagi said, no, show me the way I showed you. He does it right, Mr. Miyagi throws a punch. He blocks that punch, but doesn't click in his mind what just happened. So then he says, okay, show me, sand the floor. Mr. Miyagi kicks, son blocks the kick with his hands, and that's when it clicks in his mind that the work he was doing was merely the vehicle by which he would learn his discipline, which was karate. Well, if I can teach these people who don't know anything about my culture, the same, that's the same way. If I I can tell them, about my culture without talking about my culture i went and i mm. used the story of the karate kid i told them that same story and one of these guys stood up pulled up his pants and said love that. that's the greatest shit i've ever heard in my life <laughs> this is exactly how he said it what made you come in here to tell us about this class with this hippity hop stuff and you the karate kid i said sir well again we've all seen the movie connective tissue
0: exactly it's common language exactly
2: so I never have to say hip-hop culture when I'm telling you the story of how I'm gonna teach the class right,
0: right
2: and then now. and the guy turns to me he goes get his contract I signed mm. my contract that day
0: let's go
3: because Magic.
2: i planned my work that's my plan I figured out how to speak to people who did not understand me or my culture right. so that is a gift that I've been blessed with mm-hmm um, and and to be able to take our language, our images, our expressions, our cultural expression, and say, this has value. This has importance. This is as important as apple pie and the American flag. Americana, absolutely. And if you understand this and that there are only certain kinds of people who can do this thing, then you'll have me at that school. You'll have me speaking at this thing. You'll have me doing this. Because right. I could go to school with someone in our majors could be German history. It right. might be a German that's doing it. And we have the same aptitude, same grades and everything. But that person is going to get the job and he should get the job. You know why? Because there are things anecdotally that he can bring to right. the proceedings that I can never give. Right, That make the connective tissue in that expression Right. so much greater i can give you all the information in the world mad people know they can read the book you know i know about hip-hop culture but do right. you really know you really
1: book? really know That's Absolutely. yes well you have dropped so many gems and i think we could talk about this forever amongst other things but you walk into our final question um of the evening kind of with that um sentiment and you know this this podcast is called Hip Hop is Higher Education because of the things that you mentioned. We believe that this is the tool um, that we can use not only to inform itself, you know, from the inside through the lived experiences, but also to inform um, the world as it relates to our story and our social, economic, political, cultural experiences, not just where it started but where we're headed and in Mm. many ways, we will be the voice of of the future. We are the voice of the future. So when someone like Stephanie and I says, hip hop is higher education. Um, And just to close us out, what does that mean to
2: you? That you can elevate as a result of accepting that there is more than one way to think. There's more than one way to feel. There's more than one way to apply knowledge in this world. And it's not just necessarily reading, writing, arithmetic that you grew up with, that there are things that you can learn and turn into, you know, like I said, the intellectual curve turns into Mm. a degree at this university and another degree at this university. And then the opportunity to teach a course at this university, and then to have that be the currency you take around the world and people pay you to tell a story that I just told for free on here.
3: Mm.
2: That if you don't value it, no one else will. If yeah. you don't value your soil, if you don't respect your soil, no one else will. They will always disrespect your soil. So got it. Tomorrow is, I, I'm more excited about what I'm doing tomorrow than I'm what I've already done. Those things are great. Don't get me wrong. I respect and admire them. The, those are the pillars and the people who came before me who provided the opportunity for me to do that. I'm on the shoulders and the backs of those people. But these things that I've developed as a result are the pillars on which I stand Mm -hmm. so that other people can see the edifice that I've created through that and say, okay, how do I do mine? And I'm like, here, here's the blueprint. Mm -hmm. but You have to build in your own way. As long as you have a foundation, everything we do in this life, I, I believe in this wholeheartedly. Three very basic steps. Setup, execution, follow through. For most right. people, fail is the follow through.
3: Yes. So,
2: say for instance, whether you're meeting a, a, a guy, a girl, building a home, making a sandwich, whatever it is. The setup is Summer, our eyes meet across a crowded room. Right? So we make the contact. Uh oh. The, the execution is I walk over, hey, Summer, what's going on? My name is Will, how are you? We talk. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, you know, we, we hang out a little bit. Hey, look, I, can we get out of here? Like, I take you to get something to eat. We can have, you know, a hot cup of steam, a long straw, a big bowl or nothing. You can have to, You know, she finds me witty. We're cool. <laughs> we start hanging out. She becomes my woman, I become her man. But then we start to get together. And she's like, it's a beautiful spring day today. Well, let's go out for a walk. I'm like, baby, I want to watch the NCAA tournament. Right. Okay. Go ahead, I'll, I'll do it next week. And then next week comes, it's still on, she leaves again. The next week, she, uh, NBA playoffs about to start, baby. And the next time she walks out, she leaves and doesn't come back. Why? Because all the things I did to get her, I didn't do to keep her. Huh. And again, you can apply this to anything you do. So there's a reason why for all that we're doing right now, that's great. Tomorrow, it's going to matter more.
3: Yes. Amen.
0: Thank you, Will. Thank you Absolutely. Guys you taught the whole class in this podcast and we
2: are so appreciative. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't talk more about the artists and stuff. It's just like- oh,
0: no, you don't need to. That,
2: I mean, that stuff was cool. That stuff was great, you know, working with, with, with Big, bless the dead. And I tell some stories, uh, I, I share some stories about the time, the first time on promo with Big in Houston and a situation in the bathroom with the young lady and some yeah. jerk chicken. It's a whole nother conversation. We can do that yeah. some Don't other time. That's, yes, not the, yes. that's not the educational part.
3: That's <laughs> After the, you know. After yeah, you know <laughs> stuff with
2: you know stuff with Wu Tang and 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 that Ray and Ghost having them on tour and they were the ones I did the first ever online concert with. Mm. It was Ghostface Killer Capadonna and Ray Quan. Oh, um, that we did in February eighteenth, nineteen hundred ninety seven. So, we believe.
0: Summer and I believe that sh- this is not going to be the only episode that we have you on. There's just way too much knowledge. There's so many ways that we could have dived deeper. Is that a word? Do deeper? <laughs> deeper. You, you got it. You got it. You, back. <laughs> you, you, you got it.
2: You got diving
0: diving. So much more to get into. So we are appreciative of you, your knowledge, all your gems. And thank you so much for being here with us. Talking Absolutely. about hip hop is higher education. Amen. So- Keep it hip-hop, folks. Keep it hip-hop, people. We'll see you later. Peace. Peace.